0: Elsie, welcome. Always good to see you on a Friday.
1: So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday, Nat, and happy Ladies First Fridays. I'm so excited to get into it. Yeah. You're in Birmingham right now, right? I'm in Birmingham. Yes, I'm expressed. I'm I'm loving all of the deep self. Now, I wish you were here. We got to get you down to the National Association of Black Journalists Convention next year in Chicago. But it's been so much fun here with a lot of familiar faces that you know that we've had on the show that have been guests of the show and just celebrating the greatness in black media, which I know you guys do so often on this show. So just excited. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll book it. I will be there in Chicago next year. Sorry (laughs) that I missed you. It's kind of like when you missed me and Zena in Vegas. So you got us back. We're missing each other now. We got to get on the same page. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. So you talked about greatness, all the greatness that's in Birmingham. But let's talk about greatness that was on display last night from Diana Taurasi, who um, reached 10,000 points um first player in the WNBA to achieve this feat we already knew she was the WNBA's all-time leading scorer but now she also has hit the milestone of 10,000 points and I don't know that anyone in that top 10 is even going to catch her Kelsey um (laughs) what did you make of the white Mamba last night
1: let's be honest, Nat. We were all anticipating this moment, and I think we were all, I mean, how are you not a fan of Diana Tarousey, a woman who continues to get it done in her 40s, so truly proving that age is nothing but a number. But to do it in this fashion, Nat, she she surpassed that to the highest level, giving us a 40-piece, a 40-point game. And I think everyone, you can see the excitement there. I thought something that was so special, embracing her teammate, um, Brittany Griner, after the game, Nat, that was so special and, of course, prayers with BG and her mental health. Um, and then all continues to hopefully build back up for her. But Diana Taurasi, I mean, I remember watching her Nat, growing up, Brian, right? I mean, watching her at UConn and then 2004, number one pick. And just seeing her career continue to elevate and her be able to do something that, as you said, Nat, not many can do. And we've seen her greatness. We know she's been a three-point leader. You talked about it, her being a scoring leader. We know she's been a leader in scoring in the playoffs. So DT just continues to, to set her own records, break her own records um and I think she just continues to bring the fun of women's basketball and the WNBA so all in all it was a great moment I love seeing her get her continued shine on social media we need more of that I love seeing her trend and I'm just looking forward to continuing to watch her as long as she'll give us Nat
0: yeah can we go back to the graphic with the top 10 um but that list you know. There's not a, I mean, Tina Thompson is not an active player. She's 2,500 more than 2,500 points behind uh, Diana. The only active player right now is Tina Charles, Dewana Bonner, Candace Parker. I don't think any of them are catching this. So if someone is going to ultimately break this record, it's probably gonna be one of the younger, you know, yeah. players who are
1: not even yet in this top 10. Um, This is remarkable. She's incredible. Like, Look at the names that are on this list. I mean, these are superstars. But again, Diana Tarowski in a class of her own when it comes to this. And even if you just watch her story, how she started at UConn, really having to earn her spot um, and really just proving like hard work does not go unnoticed. It does not go unwarranted. And that hard work must always continue. So I think she gave this Mercury Scott, obviously, some spark, something to be excited about. I know there's other things happening that we'll touch on as well um, with that organization now. But all in all, this is her moment. I think this is going to be something that she always remembers. I love that WNBA commissioner Kathy shouted her out as well as really having the privilege, Nat, to watch her illustrious career. I mean, we're, we're in for continued treats with Diana's I was I was all in for the countdown this week. I was so excited for Thursday night to see it finally happen. I just think it's something that we'll all always remember as WNBA basketball fans
0: yeah you know what i did not love though i did not love and a lot of people on um wmba twitter were tweeting about this i didn't love the comparisons to lebron James yes. and the men and and lexi brown even tweeted about this because she's like can we just have like one achievement where it's not compared to the nba you know i'm paraphrasing her words but i mean it's sort of ridiculous at this point you know like we have enough WNBA history we have enough women and the achievement stands on its own. There's no need to compare it to anything that LeBron did. It's just, I don't know, like we we gotta do better, do better in covering the league and in covering their accolades and their achievements. It does not always have to be, you know, compared to the men. And now we know, because sometimes you think it's just the fans complaining, but you see it, Lexi Brown, an active player saying, I wish they could acknowledge an achievement without mentioning the NBA just once, please. Diana Taurasi actually spoke about that earlier this year in comparisons of men, the women to the men. And so, like, stop it. Like, you know, it's not needed. Learn about the WNBA, learn the history of it so you can compare it. And being that she's the first one to reach this milestone, there is no comparison. So there's many ways. talk about this accomplishment and this achievement without bringing up the mba so we in the media all of us this is to all of us we have to do better
1: yeah, it's like, let us have our own. And I think essentially that's what they were saying. Like Diana Taurasi, she did this as a female athlete in the WNBA. But as we always know, society always loves comparing us to our male counterparts. And, you know, I think the other side of it though, Nat, I think they were trying to say, obviously, like I think they're trying to say there is no gender bias or barrier for her, like for her to do this. Um, I know they compared her to Jordan's game that he had when he was playing with the Wizards as well. Now when he had a 40 point game um, t- towards the tail end of his career, but all in all, I think the women players are right. They did what they did in the WNBA. Let that stand. Let fans maybe make those comparisons. But us in media, as you said, we don't need to do that because all in all, she deserves her moment, her right to shine. And it doesn't need to be tagged in or pulled in with anyone else's. Because let's let's be honest, if a man does the same thing, that I don't think the stat folks really go quickly to the WNBA and try to make that comparison. No, they don't. So, so why when it's the other way around, you're so quick to do that, right? I think that's what we're saying. Come on now. Stop with the high (laughs)
0: they don't and our friend and our friend of the show Chris Williamson he pointed that out I love that tweet this is why I love Chris and his allyship I don't recall I don't recall seeing a tweet um about Diana Serraz because she was already the the WNBA's all-time leading scorer when LeBron you know, got that all-time record. I don't remember you guys pulling him up and, and, and comparing, you know, um, him to her. So it's like, don't do that. Stop it. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. You're you're feeding into the idea that somehow they need to be like the men, but if you're not right. doing it in the first, then you're not really representing, you know, the gender equality quality you think you are. So just... Let's let's be let's be better. You know, shout out to <laughs> Diana Taurasi. Congratulations, incredible accolade. But you know, like this is all we should be talking about related to the Mercury. It was great to see BG back, as you mentioned. She took some time off for her mental health, and we always support that. But there was some other drama um, and controversy that had occurred earlier in the day before this game, um, and so it was sort of weird. You know, I it it seemed like the Mercury organization just kind of wanted to ignore it and keep the spotlight on Diana and I get that but I feel like just not addressing Scholar Diggins and what she said yesterday was very problematic you know and so for you know to to let everybody know Scholar Diggins Smith she's currently on maternity leave she had a baby right and so she's not playing she's one of the Mercury's best players um and That's arguably why they are not in good standing this year and at the bottom of the standings because they are missing Skylar terribly. She's so important and instrumental to this team. Um, Now look, some background, like, you know, even though Vanessa Nygaard, the former coach, has, you know, been terminated, they had a history of not uh, getting along. Um, There was also last year, as many may remember, her and Diana Taurasi had a little back and forth, things got heated. They had a heated exchange between them on the bench last year, right? And then all of a sudden trade rumors started to swirl about about, um, Skylar, right? So there's history with this organization and things not being great with them, but she's still a member of the team she is still a member of the team and august 2nd yesterday was her birthday <laughs> you know um shout out to anyone born on august 2nd so was my mom so shout out to my mother and my aunt twins I love okay that. my sorry, mom is second.
1: august 3rd shout out to the leos <laughs> shout
0: out to the leos and i'm a leo too mike smith was a leo his birthday was on august 1st so it is leo season but okay I <laughs> <laughs> um, Skylar was celebrating a birthday on August 2nd, and fans noticed that there was no birthday wish, no birthday greeting to her from the Mercury, right? And so, you know, Skylar responds and basically says, look, they're not going to acknowledge me, you know, and then basically goes on a tweet storm where she reveals she's not able to use the practice facilities, um, which is crazy nothing not just the practice facilities she can't use all of the resources that all the other members of the team are allowed to use for some reason she's not allowed to use these things and so now people start raising eyebrows and there's chatter all day and um that was like really unfortunate to hear because we also remember before she was traded there she raised concerns you know about how her pregnancy was handled you know for her prior team and so it's like you have her saying this now with the mercury we already know that there's some bad blood within the organization and even though vanessa nygaard is gone leads me to believe that may be more with diana Tarasi specifically and not necessarily the org but that's the face of their franchise right kelsey we understand that um and so and then you had controversy earlier in the year with becky hammond and and diarca hamby and how her pregnancy was handled. So I'm looking at a league, this is the W, it's a league of women, a league that represents women. Why are they struggling so much
1: with pregnancy and how to handle women who are pregnant? You know, it's heartbreaking because as you said, this is a league for women and childbirth is a natural part, right, of, of, of womanhood, right? Essentially, if a woman wants to have a child, this is Skylar Diggins-Smith's second go around. And essentially she was saying, you know, the health of her child she was trying to protect. But let's let's remember, folks, we are in 2023 in a world where Black women have the highest infant mortality rates, right? So thinking about Skylar Diggins-Smith and her backgrounds, I think anybody would want her to protect the health of her child. But also I'm, I'm thinking of a league um, now. That ratified their CBA back in 2020, and specifically, they were supposed to be praised for having some of the best, some of the best in any industry in terms of supporting women during pregnancy. And I think when you're going through pregnancy, you know it can be it can be difficult, right? Your your body's changing. You know Skyler Diggins Smith alluded back to having to practice herself losing 48 pounds, which in itself, Nat clap 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 clap, clap, because that is not an easy thing to do to have that snap back. But that's probably when you need most support and to find out that your organization, right, your franchise, I know some people might say, oh, they did not acknowledge her birthday, but a lot of us, I'm one of them included, we like to think of our birthdays as holidays, Matt. and your organization is something special. We see every sports league really um, acknowledge their players on social media during their birthday. It does mean something. And then for her not to be able to have simple things that she should have access to as she works back to get with her team. Nat, I remember the Joy folks had seen Skylar dick Smith at the ESPYs. We wanted to see her. We wanted her to be back. WNBA fans got joy from that. And even now, as we look at a team where we're wanting her to get back on the squad, it just continues to look like bad blood, which as you said, the Mercury are not in a good position this season obviously they need her talents. When she stopped playing, let's remember, she was not just one of the top players on the Mercury. She was one of the top players in the league when you look at just her productivity. And so I think we are missing a lot from Skylar Diggins-Smith. I hate that she had to air her grievances on social media. You would have hoped that this was something that she could have been talking with the organization about. But, you know, when you have organizational leaders saying, you know, she's on a maternity break or, you know, just not seem like they're very supportive of her. I can only imagine what she's going through. Again, as a mom trying to work her way back to the game that she she loves. It's that simple. A mom trying to work the, her way back to the game that she loves. And so like you said, it, it was kind of like a double whammy in the sense that we were celebrating Diana Taurasi. Then also looking at this organization with a side eye now, saying, What the hell is going on within your organization where a player has to literally just put everything out there to basically say, Hey, like things aren't good right now. I'm not getting any attention. I'm not getting any love. And I think for WNBA fans, it just makes us scratch our head again and just figure out, you know, what's going to be the future of Skyler Diggins Smith. Obviously, a player that's loved by so many in the WNBA. People want her to be somewhere where she's supported. Um, but it seems like the Mercury, just for some reason Nat. they aren't able to, to clear up whatever is happening with her and the organization. And that's not just, it's not a good sign, especially it seems like she's, she's seeming like she's saying that that from the top down. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of love there, even though going back to when players, you know, wanted her back. We I remember at the beginning of the season, you know, Brittany Griner talking about, you know, how, you know, she wanted obviously Skyler to come back. And so it seems like the teammates, some of the teammates, you know, are supportive. But you got to have the whole organization standing behind Skyler, just standing behind women in general. You talked about De'Erica Hamby. We wish that was the end of this conversation, Nat, about women and childbirth and be able to play sports. We've seen so many female athletes be able to snap back and be at the top level, right, after playing – after having childbirth we had this conversation you know with Serena Williams when she came back from having a baby to tennis but all in all to say we've got to do better this organization has to do better and I really hope they're able to mend it because Skylar Dickensmith is too talented of a player and too many people want to see her to come back for all of this to be going on it's just messy it's just messy and something needs to be cleaned up
0: well yeah it's very messy and I'm glad that you actually mentioned like what Brittany Griner said about her because well a couple of things just to to provide context one is they they did apparently um wish her belated birthday greeting um (laughs) feels awkward (laughs) um i believe on the broadcast um additionally to provide some more context with you know why there's some tension um with Skylar and again we, we don't know exactly where it exists you know it we knew it was with her former coach Vanessa Nygaard who's no longer the coach um but also pot- potentially with Diana Taurasi and it feels like they're trying to um just act like that's not a thing and I don't I don't think that and and I don't think that's the best strategy because like now when like yesterday happened it's not a good look but you know what happened is vanessa nyengard made comments you know i mean there were other things but she made comments when the all-star selections happened Skylar made the all-star team last year diana Tarasi did not and vanessa Nygaard said yeah there's going to be an all-star game but um you know because you know there there will be a game played you know in Chicago I believe that's where the game was last year but because basically that Diana was not there and did not make the team that it would there wasn't going to be an all-star game completely like just not acknowledging that another member of her team a star player on her team had made the team so in response to that uh Skyler tweeted a clown emoji at her coach she deleted the tweet but she deleted the clown emoji so we know that there's some bad blood there right and so um she's often being painted in the media as the villain like all of her teammates don't like her like she's problematic and so that's why a lot of people were speaking out yesterday to push back about that narrative people in the media other WNBA players because like why is she being depicted in this way so I'm glad that you brought up Brittany Breiner talking about her you know because I I, it's unfortunate too for the other players on the team because they're in the middle of this right and they probably do want to speak out on her behalf. They also probably want to remain loyal to diana they pro- you know it's just a very um it's, an, it's it's not a great situation and so look i i don't know if we're ever going to see skylar back in a mercury jersey and it probably isn't the best thing for her but um this is really unfortunate but even not bigger because both things are important but just the fact that they're treating a woman who had a baby like this um allegedly But this is now like not the first time we've heard about this in the WNBA is alarming. So they,
1: they need to do better. Yes. And do it quickly because this should have been solved yesterday. Now it really shouldn't have even been a problem. So I think all we can say is, you know, we wish Skylar Diggins-Smith, her family, the hubby, the new baby, just, you know, just wish them well. It's good to see that she's been posting the workout videos, you know, keeping us updated with her progress. I think it gets fans excited, um, but she's still young. She's still had a birthday, but she's, I feel like we still have lots of basketball left, Nat, from Skylar Diggins-Smith. Sure. So is at the end of her story, it's just a little rocky road in the story on her way to continued success
0: yeah and you know there's more news out there not in the wnba but more news with women perhaps letting other women down and i i don't know what's going on but it's not ideal to hear so lizzo as you know has been in the news and we talked about this on wednesday the allegations had just come out a lawsuit had just been filed against her so this is a, just an ongoing story. It's still very new, things are breaking. But yesterday, Lizzo put out a statement saying many things, but among them that she's hurt, she denied the allegations. She feels she's being painted as a villain. Not shocking, the type of statement. I mean, this is what you usually hear when these kinds of allegations, you know, come out. But, um, you know, as has already been said, like, it's concerning because some of the allegations were body shaming. and we know that Lizzo is somewhat the face of you know a movement um, against body shaming and being proud of your body. And so those were allegations, allegations of harassments um, in the workplace, creating a hostile work environment. So it, it's just a, it's a number of allegations. They're not all just against Lizzo. They're um, some people on her staff. But the, the 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 allegations were concerning. And what what I will say about this, you know, because we still have to let it unfold, unfold and it's still everything I is alleged. alleged. But mm-hmm. I'm a former practicing employment lawyer. <laughs> I conducted workplace investigations like this for a living. Um these allegations are too specific and detailed for there just to be no truth in them. Now, creating a hostile work environment, how that's interpreted, those things, you know, cause like one of the allegations were things that apparently had, it at, had happened at a club in the red light district in Amsterdam, right? And so this is why you gotta be so careful when you hang out with your coworkers um, mm. outside of the work environment, because what you may perceive as fun and lighthearted they may not perceive it the same way. It's just like a joke, how something can be offensive, right? But some, you know, to someone else, but you just think it's all fun and games. So I'm not gonna really right now speculate on what Lizzo may and may have not done, um, but there's just too much specificity and detail, in my opinion, in what has been alleged, where I can just believe that none of this stuff, you know, took
1: place, right? And so... We'll have to see how it plays out. Uh, It's it's so much to this story. I think, you know, most people were kind of taken by surprise, Nat, honestly, because like you said, I mean, I think pre this, uh, pre these allegations, but everybody loves Lizzo. Like you said, she brought body positivity back to a world that, that I think badly needed it. You know, and just her high energy, her songs, like, I mean, it seemed like everybody was really hopping on the Lizzo bandwagon. And like you said, it's very important to say allegedly, because I think there's so many things this case, you know, you think about if people have gotten fired, you know, and airing their grievances, there's that piece of it, you know, and things that can come out. I know she's hired a top lawyer, someone that's represented Chris Brown and Kim Kardashian. So you can see she's obviously taken it um, seriously. But I think the biggest thing for Liz you know, no matter the outcome, I think this will, she will take a hit, Nat. I think, regardless. Um, because, like you said, if you really read through what was said, I mean, very disturbing, very disturbing, um, yeah, she's you know, allegations. She 150,000 followers, I think it is, something that. like that on Instagram. So, people are taking this seriously. Yeah. Like, people aren't just going to let this slide by. And so, for Liz, I think she's going to have to do a lot of rebuild work, Nat, um, again, regardless of what happens with this case to just kind of show that, you know, she's hopefully, hopefully, as we want to her to be, just a good person um, and just treating people right as people. Should should and want to be treated, um, and nobody being forced to do anything out of their nature. So all in all, you know, I I am glad I will say that we live in a world where people are coming out and speaking out, because we just live in a world now where people didn't want to speak out against their employers, right? They were afraid um, of retaliation and things that could happen to them. So at least that, at least we're hearing um, people come out. But all in all, I just hope this gets solved soon. And, you know, to the the woman that have accused, like you said, Lizzo, I think it was her dance team director and her company of all of these different things, I do hope, you know, if true, that they do get some some type of justice because they would deserve that at a minimum and to lizzo you know i just hope you know however this turns out that it's a learning lesson that you are always, you know, being watched and that you do, again, just got to be a good person to people. And that at the end of the day, we were just good to each other. Hopefully none of these things would come out because everyone would just feel that they live in a workplace, you know, where they're supported. It kind of goes back to the Scholar Diggins Smith thing. And it's since that people just want to be supported in a workplace, be able to work to their top capacity um, in a workplace, you know, and not have to be bothered with harassment or anything else of that nature. So only time yeah, will sure. tell that I love your legal background and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah I
0: think that's a good place to leave it altogether. we have company waiting so let's go and let's 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 come back and talk some NFL because I, I hear something's going on in Canton Ohio we'll be right back <laughs> oh Demarcus Ware this was a very nice sentiment he sung the national anthem in tribute to the late Demarius Thomas um And we understand, like, when people pass away, we want to tribute them and we want to honor them. So respect to DeMarcus Ware for being so brave to go and sing the national anthem ahead of last night's Hall of Fame game. With that said, with that said, first of all, I'd like to welcome Mike Jones from The Athletic to the show. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Um, Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) <laughs> you're very welcome, but I don't want to ever hear DeMarcus Ware sing the national anthem again that was my takeaway
2: I mean we've heard worse right
0: <laughs> mean I mean Carl, Carl, Carl Lewis
2: was like a million times worse um, <laughs> it was it was I don't know, safe is the word like he, he didn't belt safe. it so he didn't no, lose control he didn't no. crack Um, it wasn't strong Um, I I don't know part of me is like hey I give you a lot of credit the other part of me is like man remember on American Idol and Simon would be like you know who lied and told you that you could sing you know Um, you know I kind of kind of feel that way I I feel bad feeling that way but oof that wasn't great
0: Kelsey, you know what is crazy is because DeMarcus Ware was on, uh, my main man, Michael Smith's podcast. And Mike talked to him about this and was like, you're singing? How did this come about? And he's just like, so like, can you, s- I didn't know you could sing. And then he's like, <laughs> well, sing? Or can you sing? You know what I'm saying?
1: Like, we, we know.
0: And this man was on there like. Yeah, no, yeah, I can sing. And he's just like, so when I sang, and I'm like, hold <laughs> on, not only can you not, bang, S-A-N-G? <laughs> you can not sing S A N G, you cannot sing S I N G either. Like, this is just blasphemous. He's storytelling
1: my gosh i am going to try to say this in the kindest way so as someone who grew up part of my childhood in the deep south in jackson mississippi we would say bless his heart we would say bless his heart for the effort that he tried to to put on but you know it hurts me because my sister my little sister I'm to shout her out real quick kaylee nelson she actually sings the national anthem different games around the DMV area. And I see the work that goes into it. She's had so much choral and vocal training. And, you know, for for games, you know, and I know he said there's a lot of nerves behind it. He must have had a lot of nerves because every note just seemed like it was holding on to something. And it was just trying to get there. And I'm not trying to be mean because it takes a lot of courage. You will never catch me trying to ever sing the national anthem because Mm -hmm. I know I can't And I've had people around me that remind me of that all the time. And I'm thankful (laughs) for that. So I never try it. But, you know, I I think the gesture was good. I love the story to it. Um, But it... (laughs) You don't want to go viral for the wrong reasons and he's going no. viral for the wrong no. reasons. And the cameraman was wrong too, so putting the camera on people's faces when that was happening. He knew what he was trying to do during that performance. <laughs>
0: yeah. Look, we're being much kinder than him to him than um Twitter was. So <laughs> we'll move on and leave him alone. But I just I'm sorry. I just had to To mm, Marcus, word. God bless you soul, like you said. So, but okay. All eyes on Canton, Ohio, right? Like. This is typically supposed to be a big deal. I don't know. I hear from both of you because I'm really moved. Like I I don't know. There's no, there's something lacking um with this Hall of Fame class. Um, how do you feel about this Hall of Fame class, Mike?
2: I feel like this, you know how the NBA, a lot of people get in and it's more like the Hall of Very Good. Instead of the great. And I felt like this class, for the most part, was a very, very good players, a good coach. I didn't feel like greatness really radiated from this um Hall of Fame class. I mean, I'm looking at some guys, I mean, like Zach Thomas, very good, but you know, had a lot of hundred-yard, hundred 100 season tackles, hundred tackle seasons, but London Fletcher had more. 100 tackle seasons than he did. um, And, you know, wasn't in there. Uh, When you look at uh, a guy like Don Coriel, I know people say that he revolutionized the game with the passing attack and everything like that, but Mike Shanahan was way more impactful in the game. His, attack, his accomplishments as far as winning back-to-back Super Bowls, one of the few guys to do so, and you look at his fingerprints all over the NFL right now, really Don Coryell, once he lost Joe Gibbs as his offensive coordinator, didn't have another winning season. So I didn't feel like Don Coryell belonged in there. And I felt like Torrey Holt is somebody that should have gotten in this class, or Devin Hester, um, the greatest return man of all. And... I don't know. This is just a very underwhelming class, if you ask me. So I, I, I don't, I don't feel the buzz because I just look at them I'm just like, eh.
0: <laughs> who who <laughs> stands out friend. to you as anyone who definitely belonged in there?
2: You talking to me? Yeah, or, sorry, comes- Mike.
0: Yeah, who stood out to you as someone who oh, definitely okay. belonged in there?
2: I mean, um, Darrell Rivas belonged in there. Demarcus uh-huh. Ware belonged in there. Rhonda yeah. Barber is another one who was good, but not great. I, I never ever, and I liked Rhonda Barber because I'm from Virginia and he and TQ went to UVA, but I just never felt like he was like a cornerback on the level of like Revis or Dion or Daryl Green. I mean, when you're thinking about great cornerbacks, I didn't think that Rhonda Barber was quite there, that level. Um, maybe that's just me, I don't know. Um, like I said, DeMarcus Weir, yes. Darrell Revis, yes. You know, a lot of these guys are just kind of, uh...
1: Kelsey, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off earlier? No, you're right. I kind of had the same question. And Mike, you are not by far the only one who thinks that because there's really not much excitement, like you said. And I think, you know, people just keep pointing out all the snubs. And I'm glad you touched on Devin. And, you know, I think there's so many others, like you said, that you could look at their accolades and you could really say they're viable to get in there. How do we get it right, Mike? Like, what can we do? Because it seems like even last year's class, you know, there was a little bit of excitement, but it seems like the joy kind of continues to not be as exciting around the hall of fame class. And, you know, even if you look at the hall of fame game, I don't know if you want to touch on that too, <laughs> Mike, but it seemed like the excitement is really not there around Canada. I mean, DeMarcus Ware and his performance probably is the most thing talked about <laughs> right now, which it should not be. We should be talking about this class and these accolades, but people I think just can't fully get behind it. Why aren't yeah. You I mean, and game? we probably, <laughs>
0: that was rhetorical. I
1: mean... you don't really need to answer that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not on the the committee. I'm not a, a Hall of Fame voter. So maybe, you know, if we had Jim Trotter on here, he could explain it. But and I know there were people who got in who had been waiting for a while. Uh, but I still I don't know. Um, I just I, I just really felt like, hey, there are some guys who were I mean, Heinz Ward's another one that that was snubbed. I felt like and, you know, maybe they look like, OK, well, let's get this guy in here because it's been a while and we'll get these guys next year. But, yeah, it just it didn't move me. Um, I guess some years are like that, where you look at them and you're like, oh, okay, this is a great class. And then you have others that are just a little, uh, but I don't remember one that's been quite as blah uh, to me as this one was.
0: What is it going to take for Devin Hester to get in?
2: I don't know, because uh, I want him to get in because, I mean, obviously you look at his accolades, but him getting in a special team or getting in will open the doors for somebody like brian mitchell who is another guy who should be um into uh the hall of fame as you know one of the greatest return men of all time guys they both are guys who had huge impacts on games who put their teams in field position and were feared um around the league i don't know what it'll take um but once somebody like Devin Hester finally does get in, like I said, it'll open that door. But I don't know if it's talking—you know, people on the committee talking more to ask questions uh, of people who win against them, um, to to advocate for them, or what. But it's time. Devin Hester deserves to be in there. Brian Mitchell deserves to be in there. You know, special teams guys definitely deserve love because they are part of the game, huge part of the game.
0: Um, I see a lot of people in the media, um, advocating for Mike Shanahan. Why, why hasn't he made it in?
2: I think Washington, the Washington years may have hurt him a little bit. Um, it shouldn't, though. Now, knowing everything we know and what he had working against him with Dan Snyder, um, you know, and just how nobody has success in that franchise um, under Snyder, only person who made it to multiple playoff appearances with Joe Gibbs um, under Snyder's reign. Uh, but really, again, the impact that Mike Shanahan had as far as uh, working under Bill Walsh, taking that offense to another level really revolutionizing that offense having the success that he did in denver with that running attack and the passing attack and then like i said multiple super bowl wins and then look at his disciples sean McVay, kyle shanahan matt lafleur mike mcdaniel uh the success those guys are having and then the guys shoot off from their branches of their trees um that are running this offense that is really taking the league by storm there's no reason why he shouldn't be in there
0: kelsey i'm sure you have thoughts on mike shanahan
1: I think Mike hit on it. I mean, he and Mike both spent time in Washington, so know what it is to work <laughs> in Washington under that leadership. I actually love that. I wanted to bring up Brad Mitchell, so I'm actually glad that you brought that up. I had a chance to actually catch up with him right before this Vince Crawford um, fight. And, you know, he's somebody that's continued, Mike, and I know you know this, to campaign for why he's not in it. I mean, he's like, the numbers are there, the stats are there. But I think that's why the Hall of Fame can be so hard, because as we're all kind of alluding to, the numbers can be there, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're going to be first ballot or, you know, how long you're going to have to wait, but all all, you know, there's so many guys, you know, football is a hard game. We all know that, right? We know the guys that play at the top level, but I think, you know, if they want people to continue to be excited, if they want people to continue to buy tickets to Canton, if they want, you know, just for people to really keep respecting it, I do think something's going to have to be done. You do need headliners, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of these guys on this list this year, if you're not a true football fan, you might look at it and be like, hey, like, you know, who is it? Who are these guys? Revis, we're obviously kind of the top ones, but all in all, Mike, I just think as you said, we have to do better. I haven't seem like any article that says you know this was perfect this was spot on you know people getting excited um so all in all we just got to bring the excitement back to the hall of fame class
0: okay well i don't want to poo-poo on these guys parade but
1: <laughs> uh, congrats to them we're not saying they congrats. don't either. it's
0: an amazing amazing accomplishment to make it into the hall of fame and so kudos have a great time you should be celebrated and receive all your flowers um, ignore people like me who are maybe like underwhelmed, uh, but all in all, shout out to them. And I'm sure it will be an amazing ceremony despite the fact that I think it's a little lackluster. Mike Jones, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mike. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining all right, us. Thanks have for having me. Weekend.
2: Y'all have a good weekend.
0: You too. All right, so there's been some news percolating about the fact that the Orlando Magic, um, the DeVos family made a donation to uh, uh, the campaign of Ron DeSantis and the MBPA put out a statement in response to that. NBA governors, players and personnel have the right to express their personal political views, including through donations and statements. However, if contributions are made on behalf of an entire team using money earned through the labor of its employees, it is incumbent upon the team governors to consider the diverse values and perspectives of staff and players. The Magic's donation does not represent player support for the recipient. Kelsey, you know, I have actually not wanted to talk about this at all. Like I've been ignoring this story. Um, We've actually even had some calls from, you know, viewers like, can y'all talk about this? Um, So we're talking about it, but it was really the issuance of this statement by the MBPA that made me decide to talk about it. Um, And the reason I was ignoring it is because I was not shocked by this donation. We already know about the DeVos family and also the MBA is not as progressive as people would like to think you know and during 2020 when everything was coming out with should the players sit out and we were in the height of you know the 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 aftermath after George Floyd um and players were contemplating sitting out all these stories started coming out about the political donations of NBA owners right and you know they're really not that progressive um I think it's believe it's 81 of them <laughs> donate <clears throat> to Republican campaigns and so um it's it's sort of I I just to me it was just like okay great so we know that they made this donation and <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's not going to change because this is actually who the owners of the of the NBA are
1: Yeah, I think just to bounce off of that, Nat, and I'll tell you, I do not shy away from talking sports and politics. I know some people, you know, do shy away from that sense. But for me, I think this goes deeper, and you said it. Let's remember, folks, a lot of owners, and think about how much money it takes to be an owner. And we're talking about a billion-dollar family and the DeVos family, um, DeVos family. All that to say, you know, so quite natural, a lot of owners usually do steer towards conservative values because usually that's all about saving and keeping the money right for people who are rich. But I think the more surprising part was the fact that it was given to DeSantis, right, Governor DeSantis, who, if you've been following the news, and this is why you always should go broader and have a bigger scope than just, a lot of the practices currently happening in Florida um, right now that people are saying, like, hold up, wait, how are you? you know, giving money to a man who essentially, in a sense, has, you know, scaled back on history lessons of Black history, which let's remember, we're talking about a league where Black history has largely played a part into it when you look at the players um, on the team. And I'm so glad you brought up the George Floyd era, um, Nat, because I think a lot of people saw these statements coming out. And, you know, I'm somebody that actually, during the George Floyd um, situation that happened when he was killed, when he was murdered, um, and teams were coming out, you know, I had a chance to talk to Jonathan Isaacs um, on the Orlando Magic at that time. and you go back to a magic organization who actually released a statement saying they're against, against racial bigotry and hatred and things of that nature, like many teams did, but again you're sending a different message when you're now giving to somebody who in a sense has supported you know an education curriculum that has said that black folks have benefited from slavery nat um, and just other very hurtful condemning things and then like you said to do it in the, in the team name um i think it is very problematic you know we have since seen not the nba but other organizations nat i know we're both members of divine nine organizations um you know we've seen divine nine organizations you know come up and speak out. We've seen conventions move from the state of Florida. We've seen the NAACP um, speak out and actually issue a travel warning for black folks traveling to the state of Florida because of so many of these harmful practices, you know, that in a sense are trying to do an erasure um, of history, history. That's very important to American history. So all in all to say, you know, I think sports leagues, you know, it's one thing to, to sit here and put a statement out, but it's another thing to live that statement. So don't just put a statement out, you know, when it's kind of trendy to do so. But in 2023, let's stand behind, um, you know, that statement. And I think again, I would love for, you know, right now we're not hearing directly from the family. You know, we're hearing through statements that really no comment is to be made. And another kind of trying to backtrack saying, you know, it was before he declared for presidency. Um, it was given, you know, but I'm not all for that, now. Like if you're gonna give this amount of money. And people ask questions as we in the media should, um, you know, should always do. I do think you kind of have to answer for it. But, you know, also having an education background, I also know, you know, that, um, you know, during Betsy DeVos's reign as, you know, in, in the education space, um, you know, obviously educational issues are very important to that family, you know. So essentially people are going to just equivalent you giving money to you kind of being supportive of that. But all in all, now I think people just have questions. And like you said, I think, you know, people have questions of the NBA as well, who often gets as being a progressive league, a league for social justice, you know, for social justice. Um, But now there's a lot happening in Florida, and I think people do have questions about what's happening with this Orlando Magic franchise um, and, you know, giving to somebody that some would deem, you know, just not being open to cultural, you know, cultural awareness um, and cultural history net.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would argue that the NBA really isn't really any more progressive than the NFL. Um, And I would argue that a lot of these things are performative, right? And so those statements by teams, uh, T-shirts or whatever with slogans on it, that doesn't really do anything. And that's why, like, look, it, I don't expect, honestly, celebrities and players to be activists, right? I mean, some take on that, you know, Jalen Brown sort of displays some of that. And Kyrie um, has seemed to kind of shown some interest in that and, you know, but I don't expect them to be the Kareems and the Muhammad Ali's of the world. If they choose to, I love it and great, but people get to make individual choices of what they want to do. But what i don't want is to be gaslighted that's what i don't want and so when players like draymond green and others came out and said like what are we supposed to do you know like if we if we don't play what will happen actually a lot could happen and when the the owners get together and say well like we don't know what else can we do i don't know you can stop donating to campaigns and interests That are against those of people who look like me and look like the players who comprise your league right you can stop doing that you can or you can use your money and influence and power because we know you donate tremendous amounts to these campaigns to make sure that they are not enacting laws supporting things doing things to hurt us right so to me that whole thing was actually quite annoying and that's why I didn't want to talk about this because I'm just like this is no surprise we know where the interests of MBA owners lie we know what they support we know their politics right and so to the extent that the league is progressive it's arguably some of the players And that would be the same in the NFL or any of these leagues that are comprised primarily of Black players, right? Um, Their politics are different. But at the end of the day, the leagues themselves, these owners, the front offices, they are not that progressive. um, And their political donations and their stances demonstrate that. So... What's happening in Florida is a disgrace. And I just want to remember what Andrew Gillum said, where he's just like, I'm not saying that um, DeSantis is racist, but the racists believe that he's racist.
1: Mm, and that's powerful. And let's remember, again, this is, you know, somebody, a governor, you know, who essentially has wanted to, quote, eliminate wokeness, quote, unquote, and, you know, think about who that's targeting and, and what he means by that. So all in all to say, I think you're exactly right, Nat, like players have the option, right, if they want to speak up and speak out. I'm a big advocate for using your platform for a purpose, but they don't have to do that. But also players have to realize their power. Like, I'm so glad that you mentioned Jalen Brown, you know, when he signs this massive NBA contract, his big thing is bringing, you know, wealth to Black Bostonians, you know, building generational wealth um, and standing on that platform. But I think all in all, again, I think organizations have to send a clear message and actually live and breathe that message. That's why, again, I went back to when Orlando Magic players were kneeling, when they had the Black Lives Matter shirts, right, everyone. But um, Jonathan Isaacs, it's one thing to to do that, but then it's... Thing to fast forward three years and, like you said, be making a donation to somebody who continually um, has been called out for his practices. So, you know, I, I'm curious to see, not if we hear anything, you know, from the players, but I'm glad at least other organizations, again, are stepping up. We, we saw Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, um, you know, incorporated, actually pulled their convention saying, you know, we're not going to give funds um, to the state of Florida. When you look at the numbers, you're looking at a convention that's estimated to bring about 15 million. So all in all to say, you know, sports is business. Sports is political, and I think Orlando Magic are going to have to, again, continue to answer for this $50,000 check that was written at.
0: Absolutely. All right, stick with us, guys. We'll be right back. All right, guys, just a reminder that we are on a summer schedule and also that next week we will be away, okay? We're going on a little vacay. So we will be back after that on August 14th for the rest of August on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays from 3 to 4 p.m on Peacock and Sirius uh Channel Sirius XM Channel 85 all right thank you now that we've gotten the housekeeping out of the way um let's talk about Carly Lloyd because she is messy she's messy okay (laughs) and I don't mean like the the goat messy I mean she (laughs) is messy, okay um listen I just don't like when people like have subliminal things that they're trying to say so like some people are praising her for her commentary after the u.s women's national team had a draw with portugal because they said she was direct and she said what had to be said and there's a lot of people criticizing her we know she's a very polarizing problem um person i'm polarizing people criticize me so i don't have an issue with that my <laughs> issue with carly lloyd is 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 twofold one I think there's underlying stuff that's really going on and you're trying to use this, right? To to say what you gotta say. And also it's like, you feel, it's, it sounds like you're more interested in being right than you are in supporting the women's team and having them win, right? And so she's criticizing them for dancing and laughing and suggesting that their off the court focus on other things is distracting them and like these are strong allegations to make about professionals at the highest level okay and just to give a little background here we know like carly lloyd in the past when the team chose many of the members not to stand for the anthem she was not in support of that right um she expressed a lot of frustration about the team in her last you know years there just saying like you know kind of like it wasn't the same she was very unhappy i'm sort of paraphrasing but that's the backdrop of this context so i feel like she's still holding on to some stuff and she's letting that come out when she's also being critical of them
1: Yeah, you know, I think you hit on so many points, Nat. And, you know, like I said, Carly Lloyd, you know, saying controversial comments is nothing new. You know, she said it about her own team and the culture that was formed. Um, And she's obviously a person not afraid to speak her mind. But I think what you said is exactly right. And I also think we just have to remember, folks, this is a different U.S. women's national team that we're looking at. We're looking at a team now where, you know, the average age is about 28 and a half. I think we've gotten so used to the greatness, right? Because greatness has become the standard for this team. Like, we went into this thinking it was, going to be easy breezy because of how great the past two right um united states women's national teams have been and look i'm a person that's all for you know obviously wanting to make a team better i'm not saying that she didn't need to criticize but i also think this team has a different identity and identity net that we're still trying to figure out and like i said if anything you would think that she would be more supportive you know of this team and i get it you know everybody takes you know a draw or a loss or whatever they take it differently but you know to sit there and say you know that they're to question you know them i think with you not having been you Know, in the ra- you know in the rains with them and seeing everything that this team has done and that's why I'm so glad um, that the captain has spoken out about it. I just thought, like you said, she's messy, Nat. She's too messy. It did not need to get to that point. If anything, I would have liked her to do a meeting with the team. You know, someone who has experience, you know, at the top level and speaking with them, maybe motivate them. You know, I don't think we're taking anything away. Exactly. Like no one has said this team has been the most exciting to watch. You know, but all in all, you know, they're, they're giving us what they got. Hey, they're still in it, um, Nat. And I just felt like, like you said, Carly just. Carly's being Carly, I know she's since kind of tried to backtrack, but, you know, the damage already is done. It's already out there. But I really do hope that this team uses this, Nat, as motivation, because I know they're hearing what everybody is saying about them. And I hope they just continue to, I hope they stun us. I really do. Uh, And hopefully they just use, you know, her her fuel as fire um, to just get more ignited, I think, as this World Cup goes on
0: sure. Well, as Lindsay Horan said, that it's just noise. And also like, I thought it was really important when she said like, you try to find little pockets of joy. And it's just like, now everyone is seeing when the number two Germany gets ousted and they don't make it. And Jamaica, my team, my squad gets Brazil out (laughs) of there. And Marta, who is, you know, Sort of the goat, right? Like I think yeah. by most people, right? And gets Brazil out of there. Really? Canada, who just won the Olympics um gold medal, they're out of there. And now hmm, maybe we should not. Maybe we shouldn't be looking at the U.S. women's national team because you have a team like France that couldn't even score on Jamaica and we're seeing that maybe you've got to really just start giving these other teams credit for what, what they have done. You know, Nigeria has made some noise. Jamaica yeah. has been one of the top stories of this World Cup, World Cup, Women's World Cup just because of the fact that they had to fundraise to get here. They don't have the support of the JFF. So the fact that they are doing this. And then you have three African nations for the first time, Morocco, this, yeah. South Africa, and Nigeria, making it into the round of 16. This Women's World Cup has been tremendous, but it's showing that these other
1: teams have arrived and we have to respect them. Like you said, the international piece of this, I think it's just been so fun. You talked about Jamaica and I wanted to give you a moment to shine that for your country of Jamaica. You know, you look on here, Morocco. I mean, these are teams, like you said, you think about just... At one point, not even having the funding, but yet alone coming here and stunning. And that's when it goes back to the talent and dedication that these teams have. And I think that's what's been so exciting about this, you know, um, World Cup, you know, playing in the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, there's just so many different things, right? The qualifying round. I mean, I think it is exciting to see folks as excited that about women's soccer. Even if it's not all here in the U.S., you have to be excited about what we're seeing and these, and these debutant teams making some noise and who knows who we're going to have as champion this year. But all in all, it's been competitive and fun to watch and it truly is anyone's World Cup. Exactly. The Women's World Cup has been great. Check it out.
0: Y'all have a great weekend. We will be back exactly. on August 14th. All right, y'all? Take care.
1: Kelsey, I
0: thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank Had such a blast. <laughs>